A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass. I'm your host, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. And I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Yes, you are. Uh, each week we get together, we talk about cars, motorsport, F1... Car, what else? Cars? Cars. We cars, 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 cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on youtube.com forward slash behind the glass. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. And Tony, if people want to support this podcast, what should they do? Watch it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but also head to Patreon. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash behind the glass. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Those of you watching on YouTube, you will have noticed Tony's not here. Thank God. <laughs> He's actually on a trip with Supercar Driver in Scotland. And so instead, his replacement this week, my guest, Richard Groves from Active Digital. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Sam. I'm so happy you're here because it's going to allow me to finally talk about a subject I'm so passionate in, modern classics. <laughs> and it's been a while to get on as well, hasn't it? We tried it earlier in the year. and We've been planning this for so long. Tony never wants to talk about anything older than a year old. And it frustrates me One so much. One to four years, isn't it? That's exactly <laughs> it. One to four years. All he cares about because that's basically his stock. And we've been speaking for a while. And I said, please come on. So we can, just, we can just nerd out about modern classics. And we've been planning this for months and months and months. It's finally here. And I say, thank God Tony's not here <laughs> to interject and ruin uh, all of our thoughts with his awful opinions. Um, but uh, if you guys recognise that name, Active Digital, that's because uh, Richard and his company very kindly supported this podcast a number of times before. End of last year, did an amazing AirPods giveaway. Uh, came back a few weeks ago and did another AirPods giveaway yeah. and we actually know the, the winner of that competition, right? Yeah, we do. Uh, young Will Dooley. Will Dooley. He's Will Dooley. We send it out to him. There we go. So lucky, lucky Will has been the has been the latest winner of the very kind giveaway that Active Digital have been doing. So uh, claiming your prize, why don't you email me uh, info at seenthroughglass.com and then I'll connect you with the amazing Active Digital team and they'll get those AirPods sent out to you. So that's super cool. I'm a little bit jealous, Will. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, lots to talk about today. As I say, mainly modern classics. That's the aim of the game today. But there has finally been some car news that we need to discuss as well okay. because it's, you know, we haven't had a lot of car news <laughs> recently or this year and some episodes Tony and I are like oh come on something happened finally something has happened and he's not here classic Tony uh, but yeah if you're watching here on YouTube as uh, as we always say subscribe turn on notifications if you're listening uh, make sure to also follow us on whatever platform uh, and welcome to this episode where Tony's not here but Richard's taken his place oh you know what <laughs> we should probably talk about the elephant in the room <laughs> Totally skipped past that. I was so excited to introduce you. Uh, Again, those of you watching on YouTube, you will have already noticed the elephant in the room, but for those of you listening, it's quite a special car park behind us right now, isn't it? Yeah, a unicorn. A unicorn is the only way to describe it. So Richard, come on, talk to us, because you brought this down very kindly for today's episode. Yeah, so Subaru 22B. um, (gasps) I had one a long time ago in 2003, um, which I sold. And then I come back into the market, a lot more expensive now. And this one's just been restored. Um, It's in fantastic condition. It looks stunning. When the trailer opened up outside today, everyone from Duke of London came running up being like, wow, what is this? It sounds so much more beefy than I thought it was going to sound. Yeah, it has got a performance exhaust and okay. a few little bits. Okay, so. a few. Because yeah, <laughs> often I find Japanese cars from this era, as special as they are and they continue to become, they often don't sound that special, at least in comparison to some of the European stuff. So often they start up, you know, especially the Tommy Mackinnon edition Evo, which yeah. I'm obsessed with. Um, I know also is another car that maybe yeah. <laughs> you have the keys to. But, you know, first time I had one of those, I was like, ah, you yeah. know, stock, it doesn't sound that special. But yeah, this, this sounded amazing. I mean, most people change the back boxes, okay. you know, straight away, even back then. And I think the Evo, like you say, has always been quite quiet as any more induction noise. 
So we're going to get onto this more because, you know, as I say, it helps us with our discussion later, but it's absolutely stunning. And amazingly, in some of our prior discussions, you did say that at some point, I might be able to have a go in this. Yeah, I'm going to get that ready for you. I would you out. love to, because my experience in Japanese cars of any era has been limited, you know. During my big round the world trip, I managed to get my hands on an R, oh God, now I was going to kill Type me. R. T- no, a 34 GTR, oh, okay. Skyline, yeah, like the classic Skyline, yeah. Gran Turismo R34. version. Super yeah. nice. Oh my God, I really, really enjoyed that. So yeah, I'm keen to experience more and this is definitely- yeah, It'd be the greatest sort of Japanese car you ever drive. 22B? Yeah. yeah. Does it feel yeah. different to all the, like it, it's obviously now seen as this unicorn, but if it didn't have that status, getting in and driving it as someone who's driven a lot of things and owns mm. a lot of things, does it immediately feel special? It does feel special, but I would say P1s, uh, RB5, fantastic road cars. Um, but yeah, it feels special, I think, because of the, the body kit and what it is. Um, but yeah, the, the Subaru range, once you tune them up, are very similar. That's the thing is, you know, I think a lot of the time we step into these cars and we're so jumping ahead. I was like, we'll get onto modern classics, but we're doing it right now. Because of, you know, sort of expectations almost or like reputations or you get in something thinking, oh, it's just, oh, look at what it is. And especially now with the world of social media, Carrera GT, I think before you've even got in that car, you've decided what you think about it. And it's happening a lot where actually, if you just judge it for what it is, it's not always that special, but it's what it meant, what it stood for at that yeah. period of time. That you know, I think like the GL Yaris now is, you know, people are going back to their roots a little bit where they could tune a car, um, Litchfield Motorsport are tuning them, aren't they? And people want exactly. to spend a little bit of money, have their slightly different from someone else. And then that's pushing people back to the, the Subarus and have cars got that much better. That's where... And then you go back to them and realise they haven't. Okay, well, look, we yeah. are really teasing our bigger topic. But, but let's get into some car news because it is exciting. We've had a new Bugatti mm-hmm. unveiled. I don't know if you can say new. It's an iteration of a car that we're obviously quite familiar with now, the Chiron. And this is yeah. the Super Sport, the world record, you know, sort of uh, edition. Now, and how much is that? <laughs> 2.7 million, <laughs> 2.75 million, sorry, right. Richard, <laughs> missed the five there. Yeah, it's a little bit expensive. Uh, um, it's called the Chiron Supersport 300 plus uh, because of it did 304 miles an hour in 2019. I'm literally reading this off an article right now because right. whilst I love the idea of it and I love a Bugatti and a Chiron, it's another car that I'm like, cool. Like I'm never gonna. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's fantastic looking car, but for the, the normal people, you're never gonna be able to get one and um i think that ronaldo bought a one of one didn't he was that 14 million and but well that's the thing is that there's endless iterations yeah. you, you know between i'm actually forgetting all their names the dip but the devo is basically a version of a sean isn't it someone's going to yell at me now saying that you know that's its own car um but there's all these variations of sean pure sports and all these different things super sport looks great there's only 30 of them being made exceptionally expensive and it is the world record car and based on the veyron it's always going to be a desirable one and a cool one. And it looks great, but you just hit the nail on the head. There wasn't that many of the Veyrons though, was it? Because you had the I original d- car and then a Super I think so there were very that. few Super This is just, just every three uh, months, isn't it? As a new iteration. <laughs> it's becoming like the McLaren. But I guess, you know, it's Bugatti's way. And I still love them. So for me, this is my hypercar of choice at the moment still, even over a lapse and things like that. Yeah, if you were in the market for a £5 million hypercar, which way would you... I think way? Bugatti. Yeah? Yeah, I think they're really, really special. Um, the engineering in them is fantastic. The first Bugatti, I think they lost a huge amount of money, didn't it? Was it five million to build? Exactly. Each car, they were just losing money hand over fist. So, yeah, I really like the Bugatti, the quality. That's exactly it. You know, I, I'm a Ferrari guy. I love my Ferraris, but there's just something about just what a Bugatti can do and how comfortable and how nice it is. So cool to see. Looks a bit different. The Super Sport, I don't know if you saw pictures, Richard, but you know, it's got the sort of back to help with the aero for that top speed run and super impressive. And I'd love to see one and heck if Bugatti are ever kind enough to throw me the keys to one, I will, I will literally, I don't know what I do to get in it, but I will. Um, but apart from that, not much relevance, but, but cool to see him was needed. 2.75 million. Unbelievable. Now from that to another coach hasn't been fully confirmed yet, but we have heard some news on Maserati out of nowhere. I thought the Gran Turismo might be dead. I thought that MC20 right, yeah. thing was kind of superseding it. But they said, no, Gran Turismo is not dead. It's becoming an EV. Which uh, they all are, aren't they? They all are. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know your stance on this. If Tony was here right now, he'd be laughing and dying and going, disaster. But actually, I think it's quite good because the Gran Turismo has been an iconic car. You know, yeah. if we're touching on modern classics, the, the, the MC like the Stradale, Stradale version, yeah, like wow. 
um, you know, with the carbon bonnet and the yeah. roll cage. And one of the best sounding cars of the last 15 years. Like Fantastic that. sound. Ferrari, Needed replacing. 4.3 V8, wasn't it? Yeah. Unbelievable. You still hear them creeping around London and it's such an identifiable noise. I almost bought noise. one the other week. Really? Yeah, it was a black one at VVS, sort of 50,000. Wow, with the two seats? Or? Two seats, yeah. roll cage. And I thought, the problem is with that car, firstly, the interior is a bit, but also that gearbox does let it yeah. down. Like, And we talk about this a lot on this podcast, you know, sometimes the gearboxes are appropriate mm. for an era of car. I personally would always only have an F1 Challenge Stradale. Could you change it to manual though, probably on that car? Do you making, want to? Mm. They I never made them. I haven't yeah. driven one. Oh, you've never driven one? No. Okay. And I've got a Scuderia with a similar... Gearbox. It's well, but that's the thing with the Scud. I would say mm. it really suits it. It's part yeah. of the character of the car. You know, it sort of adds that driving experience. It takes you back to a different time. With the Gran Turismo, because it's a bit lethargic and a bit yeah. silly. I don't know. It just it just does. I. Th- it's in no man's land. It's in no yeah. man's land. It's not mm. comfortable enough. That it's just a bit lethargic. But a beautiful car. I always think they're bigger than I remember. Yeah, it's a bit. You know. It's a nice grand tour. I think they though. look nice, but not, they're not, you know, well, anyway, a driving tool. It's now going to become an EV in the next generation. Visually looks pretty similar, at least in some of the sort of early camoed up shots. So, you know, maybe we're going to have an icon stick around for a bit longer. And as you say, they're all doing it. It's happening across the board. And I probably am a fan of the Grand Tour sticking around, even if it isn't an, yeah, an EV version. Yeah, really you know. Can't find the pictures now to show you, but um, it looked good. And oh, there we go. Uh, 2022 Maserati Gran Turismo all electric GT. Hey, the thought of an electric GT is interesting because, you know, can you Grand Tour an electric car? <laughs> we'll find out. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be a good, a good looker. So we'll keep our eyes peeled on that one. Um, BMW have announced they're returning to Le Mans. Okay. which I think is great. And actually we're seeing this quite a lot of manufacturers now stepping away from Formula E, controversially. What model is going? Uh, well, the, it's going to be an all new one for this new LMDH, okay. the oh, sort yeah, of hypercar yeah. class. So, hypercar class. Okay. so going up with Ferrari and Porsche and Audi. Mm. It's going to be a very competitive field with a lot of big manufacturers. It's been a while since BMW competed at that level yeah. at Le Mans. Um, we've seen that big, what was the massive M8? Uh, you know, see the M8 racer, was it GT3 racer, which is huge. There was always okay. the memes endlessly of this massive M8. And is that a hybrid or? It will be, it yeah. Hybrid, so it'll be okay. a, I think they're allowed to do them as prototypes still. I thought the new hypercar class basically meant that they had to be road going versions. We we're going to see all right. these homologation specials, but apparently you are still allowed to do prototypes, which I think spoils it slightly, but um, cool to see. And as I say, as a motorsport fan, anything which has lots of manufacturers, I think, is exciting. Yeah, and interesting that much closer race in there. And you got big boys recognizable BMW, names. Fantastic engines. Win on Sunday, sell on yeah. Monday. Wasn't that the Ford slogan? Uh, and it does make sense. I think you know you do it's intrinsically. You get more excited by cars that are dominating motorsport. Yeah. I think um, so. That's going to be very exciting to see. And as I say, as, a, as someone, you know, I am. I don't know how you feel about Formula E, Richard. Have you ever tried? Really? It sounds like a lot of wasps buzzing around. And I think, you know, that's the only thing I would say. I don't really, I watch a little bit, but for me, racing was about noise. And when I've been to F1 events, rally events, it was always the noise. So I can't quite get my head around it at the moment. Yeah, it's, I dip in and out. I love to attend the events because it's all in one day. It's go, go, go. It's a great spectacle as an event to attend. On TV, I don't think it translates. Um, but as I say, it's just been interesting in the recent couple of years or last 18 months to see some big manufacturers stepping away from that and putting their budget into other areas of motorsport. And as we know, motorsport's great marketing, yeah. but also research and development for road cars. And it suggests- well, they just need to develop the sound. Well, mm. y- or maybe the- this visual spectacle. Yes, the sound is part of it, but when you're there, there is still noise. And okay. let's face it, Formula One's not exactly loud these days. So I don't think that's the be all and end all. I think people think it's sort of a bit gimmicky and that's what they need to address maybe. Because people sort of go, oh, well, you know, there's street, silly street circuits and they're all, the cars are slow and, you know, it's all... I think the thing with the racing is also the characters of the drivers. And I think that's where it's probably not lacking. But can they be characters now is the other problem. Of that course. was why I watched motorsport, Colin McRae um, and the old F1 drivers had so much about them, the Senna's, the Mansell's. The Personality. Yeah, that's what I think is, is what drives motorsport for me. It's wanting to watch a person drive. And I think in Formula E, because of the corporate partners involved, 
they're very much more towing a corporate line. We're starting to see some personalities in F1, I think. You know, Daniel Ricciardo, Max Verstappen when he's outspoken, Yuki Tsunoda. You know, there are characters coming through. But in Formula E, they do very much seem a lot more, you know, on on the party line. You know, yeah. a bit more corporate which makes it harder to really get yeah. excited. Because there's some great talent, some yeah. mega drivers in that in that league. But league? <laughs> I did watch that, the E racing with Loeb. Extreme um, E. Yeah, extreme. And I was I was watching that. It was quite interesting. I enjoyed it. McLaren have just said that they're going to get involved in right, that now, okay. which I don't know what that hints towards. Does that mean that we're finally getting the McLaren SUV that they told us a million times over was never coming? <laughs> I suggest that maybe that would be the case. But uh, yeah, I can't decide how I feel about Extreme E. I watched the same one as well when they were racing through the dunes. And it's kind of fun when they're actually racing each other rather than the qualifying. But I'm a bit like, uh, do I see the point? I don't know. I like the men and women thing. I was, you know, I wanted to see the women drive and compete and and w- winning. You know, that uh, before that was fantastic. The equality I message that. I thought was great. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Jamie Chadwick, who's won the W Series a couple of years ago, and I think has got many great things ahead. But also did some work with um, Katie Munnings, who was one of the other drivers in there, and and they're super super talented drivers. Like both of them, incredible in their different areas. Jamie comes from a more tarmac track circuit racing while Katie's done some rallying but yeah great personalities but great talent and then to see them going up against someone like Loeb is is pretty nuts and the experience of that as well is fantastic so I agree with you I kind of enjoyed the second race a bit more than the Saudi Arabian one but I just I'm a bit like just a sort of fun thing to put on the background I don't know if I can like follow it avidly Nico Rosberg's team keep winning everything in that sport. Do you know that? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Was Lewis Hamilton's team? Was he second? Yeah, I yeah. think so. It's like Rosberg versus Hamilton <laughs> over again. Um, and finally, in new car news, very excitingly for a nerd like me, we are finally starting to see test mules or images of potentially the replacement or the next Ferrari Dino, a hybrid V6 Ferrari. Now, I know if Tony was here, he'd have some whispers and some some secrets on this that I will try and pretend like I know. I actually don't think this is a new model from Ferrari. I think this is the replacement for uh, F8. Okay. So that, that's my understanding is that Ferrari are now going to be going to a, a hybrid V6 uh, as their kind of so entry is it like level. the McLaren Atura? Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's what's going to happen for that line. And we're just going to lose the V8. I mean, I think the hybrids are fantastic. That's my view. You've got both worlds. I agree. Um, and then if they can make the body shapes fantastic to look at i mean if you made it like the old dino i'll be very interested i i I think that's all our wildest dreams i'm not sure (laughs) it's going to happen for us but um i you know i i kind of like what ferrari doing at the moment we we complain about it a bit but over time i've now you know the roma i adore i went last week to a pirelli track day at silverstone and they had two sf90s there i saw that didn't sound great when it went past you no but but there was something about it creeping around in the paddock in in uh electric mode yeah. that was pretty cool and then it was quick out on track it doesn't sound good but what new cars do well that's why like a 9918 would be the only sort of okay. hyper car I would buy interesting if I was trying to future proof myself I'd be in a 918 but I think they're having a nightmare with batteries for the 918 yeah. to replace in the like, yeah. l- like length of them and I-, I keep hearing that and you can actually see that 918 values are, are pretty low I think because of they're having some sort of battery I don't know what. We then you have to change them in the other ones as well, don't you? Always. Uh, I think, it's always, I think it was know. more from an, an emissions point of view. Is would that car be future proofing you if you haven't got any hybrid in there, or you haven't got that plug? Because it's a plug-in, isn't it? It's yeah. Like Twenty-five yeah. miles. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, there's the nine one eight blew me away. I, I had the lucky experience to drive one a few years ago, and I didn't know what I was expecting, but what the car was was not what I was expecting, and it, it was. Think it was fantastic. Unbelievable. It's a four point six V eight with that unbelievable the noise was incredible the performance was fantastic it somehow still felt like a Porsche even though it felt like no Porsche I'd ever driven if that makes sense so it was just really really great and roof off sunny day beautiful road chasing a 911R and yeah blew my mind so weirdly I managed to drive all three in 2019 and my order going into it was was laugh P1918, I think, in terms of ownership. And the only thing I would do is swap the 918 and P1. I'd still choose Laugh, but the 918 just just changed my mind and the P1 was so terrifying. I was like, I don't think I want it. LaFerrari is such a big car on the road. Have you driven one? Yeah, yeah. So I drove It feels like a 458. Oh, it does. It really shrinks around you. You just feel like you're in a 458. And it it sounds like one, and in the cockpit, it feels like one. And on the road, apart from the wind mirrors, sounds unbelievable. The thing which you 
the moment you go, oh crap, is when you stamp on the throttle because it will bite your head off. I drove it in Marbella on like a relatively cold day, like 18, 19 degrees. Tires not to temperature like that, stepped onto a little highway and the thing was like trying to step out in third, fourth gear. I was like, oh yes, La Ferrari. That's not why you wanted it. That's exactly why I wanted it. That's the best thing in the world. Um, anyway, well, so that's some cute new car news that I just wanted to touch on because I thought some interesting topics for us to... Uh, to reflect upon, but let's get into it because the whole reason you're here, the whole reason this car is here, the reason I've been so excited for this episode is modern classics. Uh, A sort of, you know, I will happily admit, for me, I would say the mid 90s to the end of the noughties. So 95 to 2009, 2010, that is my era. There's pretty much almost every car in that era I desire. (laughs) Um, Now, I know from yourself, you've had various different eras of car yeah. ownership and a pretty eclectic collection now, but paint a picture. Tell us your, your car story. Where yeah. did it sort of begin and how do we get to the point where you've managed to bring so a 22B When I today? started active, I was 18. And then my sister came in the business at 20 and she's a partner in the business with me. Um, I was in a Mini Metro uh, and a Golf uh, and had a BMW, but my, my aspiration was always 355 Ferrari. Okay, nice. And I had that in my mind and I wanted it before I was 27 and, and I got it when I was 26. And that Congrats. to me is still the most fantastic car because of the engine. And uh, the problem was is I was um, supposed to get a house and I bought the Ferrari, which my girlfriend at the time wasn't <laughs> that impressed with because she'd come back from university and I had um, a Ferrari and we didn't have a house. Then I had to try and figure out how to get a shed to try because I didn't have a garage where we were. So, yeah, I mean, I've just been totally obsessed with cars especially the 355 i think it's the most beautiful shape the v8 was fantastic then i sort of went into subarus that sort of era um the the 2000 subaru fantastic car um rb5 p1 22b um, all the nice bits yeah then i moved into sort of E46 M3, which I, I loved. I mean, I had probably seven or eight of them because I would sell them and then go back to them. Okay. Um, a lot of RS4s. Um, and then uh, with children and different things, I went, you know, didn't have as many cars. Um, and then I suddenly really got back into it. And I remembered um, a long time ago when I was young, we actually lost our home and uh, it was a really tough time. And I was about 17 and I always wanted a Lancia Delta. Okay, nice. And that was back when you had HF Turbo and the Integrale was just sort of coming out. And I managed to get a, a rally car. Um, so I changed tack a little bit because I didn't think the road cars were quite giving me enough. So I went okay. to, you like I a went to rally cars. Yeah, I went, yeah. well, more just that interaction of driving I wanted. So I went to a, I bought a Group A stroke, Group N Lancia Delta, which wow. I've still got now. That was my 40th birthday present. So a little while ago now. But, um, I absolutely love that car on the road and it's my, my best road car with the dog box um, and just the whole thing of the steering. Um, I actually, I drove an F40 before um, I got the Lancia and at the time prices were very low so I think the F40 was about 300k and I couldn't afford it um, and I ended up getting the Lancia. The Lancia was 40,000 wow. rally car back Wow. Then. I mean, um, who knew, right? Yeah, well, I just, I just had a feeling that rally cars could go up in value because they're road legal. So why, why would you buy a track, you know, a track road sort of type car? Um, at one stage, I bought a Clio Cup race car from Mike Bushell, who won the championship, and I took that to Brands Hatch. absolutely loved it. Amazing. Um, but it's always been around things I could afford and not be, you know, getting too much debt or worry about it. Um, that's why I really like the Subarus, because back then they were sort of 20,000. There's a big argument and I'm not one to speak on this, but, you know, can you get more enjoyment out of a car that you can fully afford and fully exploit and fully enjoy over something which you are so leveraged to the hilt on? You know, if, if, you, if you're doing £4,000 a month and you can barely afford it and you're scraping it together, the, the sort of, the burden of that, I think, would always impact on your true enjoyment. And I've been there. I mean, my McLaren 540C, I couldn't afford it at the time. You know, I signed up to those monthly payments and Magnitude Finance did a mega deal for me to get me into that car, but it was too much of a burden. Yeah. So it was, I was always nervous and worried about it. Whereas now I'm in a position where most of the cars that I have in this garage, I can fully enjoy. And I, yeah. you know, I'm not too worried about it. if I need to sell them, I can sell them, but they don't make me, they don't give me sleepless nights. And when I drive them, I love them. But that's why values are increasing so much across the board. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to get a Focus Mark 1 RS, Absolutely love to drive that. Um, if there was a 106 GTI, 
I had one of them before. I love okay. that car. So anything that's really a driver's car, and it, it wouldn't matter to me. That, I mean, my brother's got a Subaru Impreza, the old one I used to have. He paid two and a half thousand. I sometimes drive that because I love driving it. And even, you know, I had at one stage uh, three 675 LT McLarens. Bloody hell. And, <laughs> and I sold all them. And then I drove, um, and I, I had problems with them cars i mean i had surprise um, surprise no not in, not in just, just the way i couldn't drive it okay i couldn't drive it how i wanted so for me it's never been a status thing i'm not really interested in what what other people think or um I, you drive that car the 675 and then you just you're hitting the bottom spoiler everywhere you're having to use the lift on normal you can't drive it mm. so for me it just become like any other car and when you get a good car that's set up on a road, you flow with the road. Whereas I felt like you, it's so fast, you're going very fast and you're braking very much and you're never in any rhythm with the car. So you never enjoyed it. Um, that's why, you know, I've been buying the old Vantage V8s in a manual. But this is the thing, right, is that ha- have we gone too far with performance, on the road performance? Because fundamentally, every single country, apart from one or two or maybe parts of some countries, have speed limits. And not only that, even if you had no speed limits on a public road, anyone with half a brain cell will never drive at 100% of a car's capabilities on the road because it's just lethal. You never know um, what's around a corner. My E46 M3, I'd probably take over most cars. And I had the 600 LT Spider. I took it out and was left foot braking within 200 yards. And I thought, I've got to get rid of this car. This is is too fast. There needs to be licensing. It's like driving a missile. And I thought, I can't enjoy it because I'm never getting to the performance. I want to rev a car and hear it rev, but you need less power. You need less power to <laughs> yes, really rev it out so. and to really get, you know, to, because mm. it, it's when a car is starting to come alive, you know, high up in the revs or moving around, that's when you feel a connection mm. with it, you know, and so many of the modern cars, as brilliant as they are, you were never even just scratching the surface of their capabilities because the car's so, sta- like, it's just so yeah. rock solid at, at the 30, 40% you can drive it on public roads. And so this is the kind of, the crux of it nowadays with potentially combustion engine cars, you know, becoming a dying breed over the next 10 years or so, at least the ability to buy them. People seem to be going backwards. People seem to be saying that they want to look at a a previous era where cars have something more about them, are more enjoyable on a day-to-day level, potentially sometimes are more affordable, even though that is changing. And so do you think that all we're really seeing, well, are we seeing two things? Are we firstly seeing people who are 30 to 50 years old now getting the disposable income to buy the cars that are on our walls as posters when we were growing up, just like the 250 short wheelbases were for that generation before us. But secondly, are we also seeing people who are getting a little tired or, or a little uninspired by F8s, 720s? I, I don't look like at any that. new cars at the moment. There's not even one I would be But did you in. ever? Because from speaking did, to you... Yeah, now, because you, I had 675. Of course, okay, so, fine. So it's just more a case of at the moment, there's only so much you can do with a steering wheel, pedals, and, and a gearbox and stuff. And we, we've gone past that peak. And now all you, you know, you're looking at two and a half seconds. And they get to 2.2, is it? And then the tyres can't... So then the tyres have so much grip, there's no fun. You're almost better off getting a caterer or something. Yeah. Fun, but I think what's happened is, is basically with the COVID situation, a lot of people have taken stock of their lives and thought, well, I want to get the car I wanted. Maybe my dad had it, or and then you've got more people wanting cars because they don't want to go on public transport, which is going to stay for a long time. And I, I didn't realise sort of how much that was happening. So there is a shortage of cars, which obviously Tony and everyone is seeing, but also I think there's a great opportunity for people to enjoy cars, not just driving, but cleaning them and making them nice and going out to a nice pub on a weekend, not going, well, I've done 0 to 60 in 2.2 seconds today. It's become more of a lifestyle yeah. asset. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, there's definitely been that, growth recently on social media of people using and enjoying their cars mm. a great friend of mine brock 996 road trip out in america i think people adore following his adventures because he's a guy with a car that he loves and he does and it's not a brand new 911 but he's a guy who uses his car yeah. day in day out to camp with it and go on these great adventures and i think that is being you know yeah. sort of cheered on i would am i right saying that maybe you lean more towards x motorsport cars or also i mean rally cars in particular um yeah, I mean, I try and find fine cars. I mean, lately, say I've been back in the Vantage, which I had 
um, two or three of them before, sort of 2006 when they first come out. Okay. So and manual V8 Vantages. Yeah, and I saw they, they dropped at one stage sort of 18K, and I thought mm. this is a bargain. And then I, I bought one recently and thought this is a fantastic car. It needs a few modifications. Um, and I said I'm making these Challenge the Road Vantages because I can make that car perfect for the road. Um, and I've been out in it all the time. Um, and, and, you know, and I have got a lot of, I mean, the GT8 I've got as well, but I would prefer the little Vantage okay. over that. Um, because it's just lighter on the steering it's easier i can just get in and go i've got a boot but i think it's just a fantastic time for people to buy some of the cars they want and they and everyone says it's a bit of a bubble i'm not so sure a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's a tough one to suss out because, as you say, moving forward over the next, well, leading up to 2030 here in the UK, when theoretically buying new combustion engine cars will no longer be allowed, you know, there does seem to be this increased interest in you know, slightly more analog cars, or as you say, cars that we always potentially wanted that have now dropped off a bit. But like that 996 40th anniversary, which is right behind you, you know, there are some special cars from a bygone era, which are still fantastic to drive and to live with that are kind of affordable. You know, I've said it for a long time, sub 50K at the moment, there are some incredible cars. Okay, they're not necessarily going to get you in for a free table at the best club in central London. They might not catch everyone's eye, but they're fantastic for what they are. They're great to drive. They can be truly special. And you hit the nail on the head where they can also be finessed now, right? We've all learned so much over the last 15 years. That's why the Yaris is selling. It's fun. Looking up, learning. You know, I've I've watched so many videos on Vantage, on the gearbox, the suspension airbox field. And I'm going back to that age when I could tinker around. Whereas with the McLaren... I hardly even clean them. You need rubber fully, gloves fully, to go Well, it's it. a fully yeah. PPF car because <laughs> you get it PPF. Yeah. And you, you can't touch anything anyway. You can't do anything yourself. You know, the Vantage was taking the grill off and playing around. For, oh, that's what I want to do for yeah, a Sunday afternoon. Exactly. That, you know. It's like your own little resto yeah. mod. And I think that's exactly it. Same with me and the F-Type. You know, I think at the moment I'm on this sort of hunt and I keep talking about Project 7 would be the dream. Or, and there's a part of me that goes, well, maybe I just buy an, an old R and make it the ultimate f-type you know as a project thing it's i mean i've only ever bought cars on what i'm gonna lose okay okay so so as i've, I've done well in business my the value of the cars has gone up but my concept has never changed so if i get that vantage i know vantages are going up so there's going to be no depreciation for me so if you i was looking at m3s before i come on and back then it was about thirty-eight and a half thousand for a 2001 then in 2014 it was fifty-five thousand. Now it's seventy four thousand. For a CSL, so, um, no, fifty five was an F eighty. Okay. Then you had seventy four for the new M three. Okay. Oh, sorry. Okay. Fine, yeah, but then yeah, you yeah. option it. It's ninety thousand pounds for an M. That used to be, I felt like not the workings man. No, no, but, but the car of the people, yeah, performance car yeah, of the people. Yeah, that's one hundred. You have an M three. It's rear wheel drive. You find, I mean. The E46, I never had any problems in the rain anyway. It was a better car in the rain. And, and even like with the Vantage, they're very safe cars to drive. Um, but I just can't see that, that being value. Who, who goes out and would spend 90000 in cash or whatever for 
I say everything I do is around the value of the car, and I, I you know, if you can pick them right, I, I said to people, you've got to buy a Mark One Focus RS. Yeah, those are definitely doing well. And we spoke about last week E39 M5s as well that are starting to do well. I had one of those as well. It's it's a fantastic car. I had that after the 22B, actually. Um, So I've had quite a few M5s and RS4s. I had the M5, the 2013 M5. That's a great car. Mm. And that was about £22,000, I think, I paid for that. Okay. I mean, the thing is, though, and where I'll challenge you on this slightly is, I I think your mentality is right and buy things hopefully at the right point and and look at values. But the question is moving forward, what are the intrinsic value of these cars? At the moment, there's a demand. At the moment, people are going back for a more analog feel. They're remembering things that, you know, maybe are forgotten great cars. But will that change as the world becomes ever more EV or hydrogen or or clean fuels, whatever that Mm. might be, as taxes increases? Is there going to be a point where these cars are so expensive to run uh, that, you know, that becomes cost inhibitive or whatever? Well, cars are only about 11% of the total emissions. Yeah, so oh, so, yeah, and if people are working from home more, then surely that's going to drop down. I mean, it's airplanes and stuff like that that are creating a lot more. So the I problem think- is, though, I agree with you totally there. But to ju- to jump in because <laughs> before basically, if we talk about EVs yeah. and the like, everyone's going to go mad. Yeah. It's the it's the mass consensus that we have to go mm. EV to save the world. I, I'm so with you, yeah, and we yeah. touched on this that it's really it's a it's lot really of propaganda tricky, isn't it, to under to know where it is going to go, and are you going to have I assume an electric car for your day to day. And then do you have a car that you enjoy and you just go for a quick drive and you use, uh, is it Porsche and that's relationship with the, the e-fuel? Uh, yeah, exactly. Racing. So it's going to probably cost you more a litre, but then you wouldn't use it as much. Um, <clears throat> my sort of thinking at the moment is I want to buy very limited edition cars or cars that could be in a museum or would be really someone, you know, really wanted to buy from, from that era. Um, and then, yeah, I'm still not 100% sure where it's going. Um, Tony said a comment on the last, he said that he thought electric cars were sort of going to be three, and that's what I thought. I thought that you would just plug in and it would cost pence. But looking at some of the charges, I saw a test, some of them, some of them are £30 to charge. So oh, you're not it's really going to go up from there. Any. Yeah, it, it, it's going to go up from there. I mean, we've already done a number of episodes talking about, you know, the potential pitfalls of this EV world. But fundamentally no matter what we say, the pressures are on globally mm. for us car people to go electrical, yeah. to go clean. And so they will start imposing sanctions on combustion engine cars. The road tax will start to get to two, three, four grand yeah. a year for big, uh, you know, big engine cars. The fuel will become increasingly more expensive. So all of these things will make it more expensive. And at the moment, there's this big rush. And as I say, for me, I'm obsessed with anything from 95 to 2010. If I won the Euro Millions, my yeah. garage would be full of cars from that era. But... Also, we've got to look at the era below us. You know, mm. what, what do they want? What are they obsessing over? Because yes, you're buying the cars which we've kept an eye on, you know, as you've grown up, cars that you maybe missed when you wanted to buy them. And for me, I like that, those cars because that was the cars that yeah. I was obsessing with. But I'm already an old man when it comes to this car collecting yeah. game or uh, car collecting, God, I'm definitely not a car collector, but you know what I mean, car buying. So that's why I question the value of these things. You know, you've got to look at F40s and Carrera GTs yeah. that have gone nuts over the last few years. You're talking about one at 300 grand. You know, you'd be lucky to find yeah. one under a mil yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so those cars, I think, are gone. But that mid-level stuff, an E39 M5, an R32 Mark IV Golf, which I keep banging on about, Gen 1 Focus. R32 Golf. Yeah, I love yeah, I like that car. Golf. Three-door, though, for me, I have yeah. to do. Um you know, where do they sit? Because they might increase in this kind of demand and bubble because we're all going backwards in analog cars. But is that really going to be a desirable car in five or 10 years time when the next generation is more eco-friendly, well, EV-friendly? It's not going to be as expensive as buying an electric car, which is going to be like a, an iPhone and probably go out of date and have no value. And I think that's, that's the problem, the value that the electric cars are so high. So if you were doing, I don't know, a Porsche Taycan, but I would assume it's going to lose 60, 70,000 pounds pretty quickly. Um, and these cars aren't going to cost as much and then maybe travel less. Yeah, I, you, know, I, th- you definitely don't have to yeah. convince me as to why we should all be buying modern classics. But I think it's an interesting point to look at it because as the, as the demand is definitely increasing, they're becoming less available. Uh, people are buying them for all kinds of reasons. There's people wanting to go back, true drivers, car, yeah. cars, but also collectability, rareness, what they might mean in 10 or 15 years. But, but at the same time, 
they could be they could be worthless. You know, they, they, it yeah, could be a point where thing that I think, yeah, for 2030, they could literally say, we are banning yeah. combustion engine cars from, yeah. the, and you can only drive them on track, at which point is anyone yeah. going to want them? And this is what's so hard to know. From my I, mind- I went sim, I, I got the simulator, didn't I? Because mm. I was in the first lockdown. Um, I went to race room, to Brands Hatch. I think it was just, just before. And um, I thought, what am I going to do? Because I love driving. And I drove some simulators with no motion and I thought, no, it's just, this is rubbish. Mm. Um, and then I drove a full motion one and I bought it straight away. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've still got that in my house and, okay. and, I, and I use that as, to drive. And I, I just thought, the problem is we are getting into this sort of virtual world. Um, and it, I'd probably say, other than the Lance here, and the, it's probably my second best car. Your simulator? Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to drive. Because, and I've learned so much about my driving. But I think my thinking was, is obviously tracks, these type of things, or even closed roads maybe. But yeah, yeah it is quite scary if they... I, I don't think they will do it as quickly as we think because the infrastructure is not there. Agreed. So I, d- I don't think that can happen. I think Porsche come out with something. Yeah, again, you know, something that we've we've touched on so many times. You know, there are lots of other technologies and things being developed. There's a great podcast with Paddy Lowe, uh, who used to well, he was in Formula One for many years. Williams, uh, McLaren, Mercedes. You know, genius engineer, and he's working heavily on the e-fuels um, because, as he said, like you simply cannot create an electric long haul plane flight. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's literally impossible. Yeah. Um, and he said, you know, that there are so many ways to develop various different technologies. So lots of change ahead of us. Yeah. And maybe we're going to get, it's like, uh, I guess, uh, I hope I'm not being rude, Betamax versus VHS uh, or, or, yeah. or HD DVD versus Blu-ray. You know, maybe that's going to happen in the next 10 years. Yeah. We're going to have e-fuels versus EV or hydrogen versus EV, you know, and we'll see what happens. But... I'm sitting here only wanting to buy this era of cars that I think are yeah. the, is the ultimate era of cars where they got to their peak point that they were still enjoyable, great engineering, great technological advancements before they went so silly that it's this too much power and too much development. But at the same time, maybe we should all just be... Well, I just bought that um, DBR1 tribute, didn't I? From, okay, from, yes. From ASM. That's the first car I've bought like that. That's a tribute car. Okay. Um, because I'm not interested massively in performance on the road. I just wanted something I could drive that looks fantastic. And that looks awesome. I mean, there was only five ever made. I'm um, all for a recreation. Yeah, I'm I, all I, for but, a recreation. But good money. You know, I, I know you had the Lancer on the other show and it's like 550,000, so I'm not going to buy that. But... Uh, 120 to 200 maybe and I, and the ferrari one you drove on seen through glass that was like 850 is a bit too much again um well it's all sort of comparative or, or, or um i've forgotten the word now but if you've got a real car going for five six seven yeah. mil and then you've got a comparative yeah. and then you've got the re- recreation at yeah. 850 well the dbr is 25 million really now the well, dbr one exactly so, so it's a whole <laughs> different ball game but yeah. You know, and there's a there's an era of the collectors who are buying that, yeah. who I think are furious and look down on and spit on the recreations mm. or or whatever you might call them. And go, oh, it's not that. But if you're getting ninety five percent of the experience, mm. sometimes even a better experience because there are some the slightly more modern components and, and stronger, etc. And all you don't have is the heritage and the history of that particular car. But you're still getting the romanticism. You're still getting yeah. the experience. You're still being able to think about what it was like back in that era. I am not for you know Toyota bases with shells over the top of them but these tool room recreations these kind of historic copies i think yeah. are outstanding and i i'm definitely i can't wait that. to drive it i, I mean, can I'll imagine get, get it down for you oh mate well that's it. one of those I, ones because i think the performance is enough it's fant- it's just one of the best looking cars ever what about um i think that buying these cars has changed a lot i mean i'm on collecting cars way too much, yeah aren't we all? and i know there's more of that happening i know the mitsubishi cars were sold on auto auction i think and i think tiffany Dell there's in there's the market by bonhams there's you know there's a lot of yeah I, I think that for me that's really good thing because if you look at the past i always thought if i went to an auction i'd feel like really embarrassed out of my room. depth yeah. yeah i'd be around even though i might be as wealthy as them i just feel like i'd be awkward um you know putting your hand out whereas like collecting cars for me has been an absolute joy um, I haven't bought a car yet. I've got a few I look at. Um, I oh, wish they I'm had a fantasy watching garage things. on there. I keep getting amazing. emails. I literally yeah. got a note just before we went live because I'm mm. watching a uh, McLaren 12C that's up at 53 grand at the right. minute with three days to go. And I'm like, <laughs> there's n- I mean, I should never yeah. go near that car. But there's a part of me that just goes, 
What a what a thing! Well, they like just sold a fifty a DBR grand one yesterday. Oh, okay. I was following it all week, and it had forty five thousand kilometers, and it went for ninety three thousand, including fees. Okay. But it's given you a really good idea of values, and also it it opens your eyes to a lot more cars, and they seem to have cars I like as well that are rare. I mean, I saw they've done very well with that. Alfa Romeo on there, but it's in Italy. But you know, there's lots of stuff on there, and I think that. That's really helped everyone for because we could go on there and look at the values before we yeah. go on and understand the trade market a bit. But also sometimes you could sell your car there and get over. Well, that's they, the thing. Because you, know, you people bidding. You know, but they, also social media has been a big part of that. And I feel like collecting cars are almost have you really captured that hype, that kind of mentality and say 906 is a prime example, you know, that, that they're sort of having this rejuvenation at the moment, a, 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 a a, a sort of era of 911 which was really not liked for a long time but now suddenly people are really getting into it because well, they seem the affordable cars aren't they well because they're going to run out of shells and then they're going to come to this range so they're doing 993 at the moment 993 they've they started 964 now they moved to 993 and then you've got a three yeah but 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 even beyond that it's it's an affordable 911 mm. and it's a car that has somehow aged sort of well and people are going oh you know that's kind of cool so uh, collecting cars and social media in general you know have put a spotlight on weird things. Quattroporto, uh, Maserati Quattroporte, the GTS, the Ferrari engine V8. That's a weird car, which fundamentally is a bit pointless, but there's a sort of social media kind of intrigue and hype around it. And that's what collecting cars have been able to capture. But Mm. in general, we're doing. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of another example recently, somebody who started to document a specific car and it creates hype around that particular model. And people go, I've forgotten about that. Oh, that's great. And, I think that's a brilliant thing, but it also sometimes creates a bit of a false market sometimes because a bit of an unnecessary hype around yeah. specific cars that maybe don't deserve I think it, it. You know, I've been very much sort of piston heads auto trader looking at cars and it's just changed it a lot. Yeah. I really enjoy it and I wait for what's coming up next and how much it's going to make and should I go to that car. Um, I think if, if they were going to make that even better, I'd have a financing option alongside and then I think they could really... Get a huge amount of at that point. Really if you start to see financing options, you're going to go, yeah. Ew. Well, yeah, it should all be in one. And then they, you know, say in the past, um, for car dealerships, you, you obviously have got them in the showroom. If people aren't going to come in as much, you need a virtual garage, of course. I um, mean, it's how quickly you move to that virtual garage. That's exactly it. So, <laughs> looking at the market from your point of view. What are you keeping your eye on? What's what, what do you see as the move, as the shakers you've touched on your Vantage project? Yeah, the Vantage, I mean, I hopefully bought another Vantage. I'd, I'd like to produce that car for under 60,000 all done as a perfect road car because I'd, I'd love to see people's faces are driving that car, not up at these half a million. Um, other cars, uh, for myself, I mean, I've been trying to find a Celica GT4 for years and I just can't. I used to have one, a white okay. one, like a sign that can't find one. Um, I think the F80 M3... Okay. Uh, I think that's a car that you could do sort of a nice bit of tuning and it's nice values. It's all 30K. Something like that, probably. M2. M2, okay, interesting. Another car, I think it's a really nice car. I think there's there's a lot there. Uh, I think GT4 Porsche, the one before the... Sure, the 981 the generation. So yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's a really lovely car and could be tuned a little bit and made really nice. There's, there's, a, there's a lot out there. I think I know there's not as many cars on the market, but there's still some nice stuff there. What so you, you look, like what you, are you looking for? Oh, I'm looking at everything. As <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, I've mentioned the R32 uh, Golf Mark IV a lot. What um, about prices then of Japanese? So that you want to know the story on the Subarus, the 22V? Well, but this, the, of course, that's what I was going to sort of touch on in a second. But the point I wanted to pick up on firstly is, I get so you you like to finesse things, don't you? You like to sort of improve little elements. You like to work yeah. on little bits. They're and never going to be absolutely on the button because they've always got to have uh, regulation within the cars. I mean, if you look at something I'm doing with the Vantage, just changing the tyre was three pounds lighter a tyre. You know, so. you're saying like, hold on. <laughs> but it's a weird one because when you get into the collector world, originality is often mm. what people are really chasing. Mm. But you're coming at it I, from a point of improving the car, which mm. also in this newer sort of generation, which isn't about always. Because for me, I'm not that big. Oh, actually, it's a lie. I'm big on originality. But I also like a resto mod. So what you're doing yeah. with the Vantage really interests me. But then I'm also like, oh, if I was to buy something, would I want it? Yes, I would want it clean, yeah. especially in the I, Subaru I would want it perfect. Yeah. You know, like, I'd want to go in the garage and think this is right. I know, you know, you can have original car, as long as they're original panels. Yeah. And I learned that a lot because I was exactly the same as you. And then when I went to 
buy these cars are going, oh, this has been resprayed, and this mm. I thought, and it's an original car, and I'd think, well, it's not original because it was yeah. resprayed. <laughs> but then it, it didn't really worry me. I mean, with the Vantage, I'm going to spray one in a like a DBR green, nice. bronze alloys, and I'm going to mm. make it because you're not into massive money in these cars anyway and i think they've become like your hobby and and you take actually keep them for a long time everyone was moving with the technology but now you can put apple carplay in which i have in the vantage yeah you've got all your, your the life, apple's it? got all the it's got all the connectors yeah. like that range rover i've got here yeah i was like oh, i'm gonna have to sell it and get the new one and then put apple carplay in I'm going to keep it. Yeah. I've got a hybrid Range Rover for £40,000. It's amazing. Sorted. So, That's yeah. exactly, the minute you can put infotainment in, you're, you're ready and ready to go. <laughs> yeah. That's got the Porsche PCCM Plus thing in there. So I've got right, Apple okay. CarPlay. Oh, yeah, I saw you do that. Yeah. It's and suddenly, this is the yeah. best car in the world. So, um, yeah, it's interesting how you can modernise. I'm all mm. for that. But I just think there's a part of me that I do like OEM, like you know, sort of as it left the factory, personally, mm. cars. Well, um, I haven't touched the bodywork on the Vantage. Yeah. Because yeah, I think yeah. it's just... Stunning. Oh, yeah. You can't do anything to that. Well, so let's get on to the 22 yeah, because okay. this is a very interesting world. I think mm. Subarus and Mitsubishis finding stock cars, I would say is near on impossibility. Yeah. So I, I was two, three, no, three years ago, big on the Tommy Mackinac edition, really wanted one when they were like 15 or 20 grand and now they're 50. Um, I could never find a clean stock car. You can get car. me one for 50. I'll have it now. Okay, fine. Good to know. <laughs> so I've really missed the boat. Yeah. Um, because they were always fettled with, and, and that's fine, yeah, that's great, yeah. everyone wants to improve them, and that's yeah. because they are so easy to work on, but this car behind us, what else, like how, how stock is this, for example? Well, this one um, is pretty good, actually, it's all original panels, it's just got a, a dump valve and the exhaust, so yeah, it's pretty good, and I want to drive this one. Um, the other one is is very, very original. I mean, I could tell you the story on that one. If, so I, I obviously had a 22B a long time ago. I thought, I want to look at the values. And I saw one with 300 miles. I thought I'd give them a call. And I was thinking in my mind, £100,000. And I thought that'd be fantastic. 300000 300000 When no, was Honestly, this? I was just, this is um, probably around yeah December last year. Wow. So, uh, no, the year before. And then um, I was sort of thinking, I can't believe this, because I sold my last one with 6,000 miles for 23,000. In what year? This would have been like 2003, but okay. I would never have thought they would go. Sure. So I thought, well, that won't sell. And then I just went home and thought, I'm missing something here. I watched every YouTube, everything on 22B, and I found a guy in America who was talking about them, and he said, um, we sold one the other week for $500,000 with 8,000 miles. And I just thought, what the... And, and then I realised that America didn't have the car. Mm-hmm. They're going to be due year 25. Of and course. This is, so it goes on. I, I get a phone call and say, Richard, I've got a, another car and it's got 5,000 miles. God, how much is this going to be? He said, um, it's £150,000. I said, I'll buy it. I thought, this is ridiculous. £150,000. <laughs> and I said, how, how has it got such low miles? And he said, well, um, unfortunately, the guy was held at gunpoint and oh. uh, didn't use the car for 18 years. And it's just in his garage. And I said, OK. So I thought, right, I'll go for it. I'm thinking, I can't tell anyone I've paid. Yeah, you know, yeah, I can't tell my wife I've paid <laughs> for a song. Um so anyway, we had the car appreciating classics and he'd done, you know, really nice work to it. And it is absolutely original tires, okay. everything, Amazing. absolutely original car. Um, and I thought you're a lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, I'd sold my 600 LT, I think for 150. Sure. So I couldn't, uh, people can't get yeah, like that. Yeah, McLaren's yeah. Love um, and then in that time, probably um, within sort of six months, these Subarus uh, just kept going up and, and, I think I was offered two twenty five for it within three months. Wow. Um, which I rejected. And then uh, another one come up, this one, which was I think I paid a hundred and twenty with thirty thousand miles. And I thought, right, I've got to what do I do with this mm. five thousand mile one that's going because they think they they will reach seven hundred and fifty thousand. Um a lot of twenty two Bs are in the museums. Um and a lot of people didn't really look after them at the time because they were always a Twenty to thirty thousand pound car. Well, just just quickly for people who aren't familiar or don't mm. know what the twenty two B is, just just explain the sort of story or, or why it's now. Yeah, so it's a fortieth so year celebration for Subaru, um, and they made four hundred and they made sixteen for the UK. And there's a there's a couple of prototypes. Uh, Colin McRae had one as well. Um, so it's very very limited number car, and you know it's, it was a 
seam welded chassis there's a lot of uh, upside down bilstein suspension from back then um, and it's mainly the bodywork because it's a homage to the 97 world rally car um, and it's just fantastic looking, isn't it? So, it looks amazing. It's got such presence. And I, I, I mean, I done a video. I went out in it, and I thought, "What's this going to? It's going to feel old." I know because we're coming from a McLaren 600 LT, which is like the one of the best of the best. Um, unbelievable. I thought, why have I wasted on all the cars? Yeah. What an idiot! I should have just stuck with the 22B yeah. and had a, a car and. Um, it, it blew me away to tell the truth because you've got such short gearing, you're so involved, you've got such amazing noise. And I thought, oh, I can see now these are going to be half a million, 750. I can see it. It's a, I feel like some of the Japanese stuff has taken a while to start going crazy, like the Europeans, mm. you know, F40s, Crow GTs, all these cars that have been flying through the roof. Tommy Mackinnon, we just touched upon, 22B. What what else in I mean are the are the skyline stuff I know there's a few yeah the skylines are really going up especially the limited edition ones and I know some of them have gone for half a million. Um, I've also been looking at like Honda the Type R's are really I've never driven one but I've I've okay. just got a thing for them I think with the gearbox up high I think it'd be fantastic to drive and they're really going up. Um, but it's just across the board with the Japanese cars. But you just got to look at that 25-year rule with America. America, a massive into Subaru. And that forces um, the values really high, right? Because people yeah. are trying to... Yeah, I mean, if I was them. in America now and that 22B comes up, you're going to, you know, you want to buy one. Um, and that was... And, and my thing at the time was, is that I was worried I couldn't afford them. That's okay. what went through my mind. I'm thinking... I, I love Subaru. I love that era of rallying. With I mean, I had a McRae series. I say all the whole range of Subarus, and I thought I don't want to get left. Um, and and where is it going to be left? I think the cars will be a minimum of two hundred and fifty thousand soon, and that leaves, you, you know, people not being able to buy them, which is such a shame. That's why I wanted to keep one and have one sure. that I show and people can see and I can drive. You know. Because it's forever, as you say, they were the very much very affordable, tunable, usable, yeah. fun cars that you know people would go and, and get and play with, and 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 I, only because I've been looking just more out of interest than anything else, I've been seeing these values going insane. And I was speaking to um, Sam from UK Minis; he's got the same problem with the classic mini market, where those were always fun cars that you could go and pick up yeah. and you could work on, and you could personalize. Where now the values are becoming so high, it's taking the cars away from people who are going to enjoy them yeah. and putting them into museums or collections or whatever it might be. Um, and fundamentally, these cars that should be enjoyed, should be driven, should be, you know, that's what they were there for. So I bought a Tommy Mackinnon, um, and, and back then I drove um, Evo 6s back then with the P1. I remember test driving both of them before I bought the P1. I think it was just you're either Subaru or Mitsubishi, but I love the look of that car. And I ended up buying a Tommy Mackinnon. Um, and then I sold it in the first week of lockdown. Um, I actually changed my mind and they said, Richard, he's already given us the money. Oh, wow. um, but I'm the same as you. The noise wasn't there. Okay. But it, was, it had fantastic steering. It drove really nice. I think it... You know, I'm, I'm a bit gutted now because I think it is <laughs> going to be... I mean, one just recently sold for, I think, uh, 98,000. And hell. I think they will go to 100K um, for a good... Sure, know, good yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but again, I'd probably want to fetter with it and get that exhaust a bit now. Yeah, exactly. Tune it. And which these yeah. cars, you know, are, are set up to, to do and to, to, to make your own. But it's a fascinating time, I think. And, you know, we're seeing across the board that, that used car, supercar or performance car values are, are kind of going crazy, but but especially in that kind of era, say so 90s and early noughties, you know, and across the board from motorsport, from renters, whatever it might be. And I think it's great. I think it's good. I do worry a bit that things are going to, are going to become so expensive, as I say, that it takes it away from drivers or the reason that they're going up because of us wanting to go back and experience these cars and starts to put them in a realm where they're unaffordable. I mean, the, the GT3 market is insane. You've got 996 GT3 RSs at the same value, if not more, as 991 GT3 RSs. And, and the <laughs> ability of the car is night and day. But the demand for that era, for collectability. So that's my only nervousness as an enthusiast is that some of the cars that are the best and are from a simpler era are now going to become so unaffordable that we're going to have to go out and buy new stuff because it's more affordable than the old stuff um which but will I think be it's weird also, to say it's quite nice if you have bought uh focus mark one you've had it a while um or you've got escort rs turbos that type of stuff and it has gone up um i mean the car i've been really looking at is the escort cosworth okay. I, I can't seem to find one um, I really want a Monte Carlo. Nice. I've been looking for probably 10 years. I still haven't 
I haven't oh. got one. I, I love the shape, and I'm, I'm not really buying them for performance at all in, in them. I'm just buying them because I, I like that shape. And I sure. think, are people going to sell them, though? You know, if you enjoy that car and that's your... Pride and joy. becoming like an antique. Exactly um, that, right? And something you want to hand down, and especially if the ability to, to get in and enjoy these cars is going to become harder and harder as we move yeah. forward. They're sort of heirlooms. You don't want to get... Exactly, li- yeah. I never want to let go of my 360. Yeah. I, I, I think every three months someone offers me... I, had the free, I love the free seat. Yeah. I had an F1, I had a, okay. a manual spider. Um, I always found it a little bit light on the on the rear end, but I say with tyres and everything now, you could probably change that. But the engine on that is just amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. As an on-the-road performance car, that's what I adore. It's, it's everything I could need or want. But you, um, as a person, I think you always want to go more. So you think, oh, just go. But actually, sometimes you have to take that sit back and go, actually, I really am where I am. And I, I feel like for me, that's been like a journey of cars. And I've gone back and thinking, well, actually, the Subaru and some of the ones I've got are fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's been fantastic seeing this one today, yeah. and I, I'm going to hold you to your offer of letting me have a go. And at some point, I kind of just want to sit and stare at it though, <laughs> rather than actually drive it. But yeah, we, we'd love to know your thoughts. Please comment below. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the modern classic market? Uh, if you like us, are sort of super into it. What cars are you watching? What cars are you lusting after? What cars do you think are still affordable that might not be? I, I do think the E39 M5 is one that's. That's really creeping up a lot of hype around that car at the moment. Um, but there's so many interesting and intriguing things out there, rare editions, things like that. So yeah, let us know and then uh, Richard can go and buy them all before you do. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for supporting the podcast last last six months or so. Uh, congrats again to, to Mr. Dooley uh, on your AirPods. Um, and we will be we will be planning some things, a collaboration because so just talk a little bit about what you're doing on 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 the on your channel and the stuff that people yeah, can see so there. We're doing sort of uh, our special. Um, we've got Dean Macy at the moment as our, our celebrity and we're going yeah. out. We've got an Aston Martin series coming up. Super we've got cool. an Italian series with um, Challenge Stradali and my scooter here. And then, <laughs> and then we're going to be mixing a bit. We've got, um, we're going to a rally stage in the Lancia and then we're going to go fishing afterwards. So combining Amazing. my hobbies and enjoying it. And then the, the Challenge, the road car, which I want to, you to drive once I've, I finish I'd that. Love to. And we're at Goodwood Revival this year. We've got a big marquee Brilliant. and we have the car there. Amazing. So yeah, lots, lots to see over there, but lots for us to collaborate on too. So uh, I'll put all of which information below. You can go and uh, follow him and check it out. Uh, as I say, of course, yeah, Act Digital, if you go back and listen to a few episodes before, you can hear some more on them too. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for coming along. Thank Thanks, you for bringing Sam. this amazing really car. Let- I'm going to go and drool around it right yeah. now, but we'll catch up with you guys soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.